Welcome to Belmont Banter, the official podcast of Whitstable Town FC. Every week we chat to ex-players, supporters and invited guests here on Belmont Banter. Welcome to the official podcast of Whitstable Town FC. Whitstable Town Football Club's main sponsor is Fibertech UK Limited. Hello again everyone and welcome to Belmont Banter. Today we've got Tommy Sampson and Tommy before spoke to us about his playing career. Most of us around today will know Tommy from his management career. We, you know, a lot of people listening to this probably not old enough to have seen him put a pair of boots on. But I'm lucky, I've seen him as a manager and a young manager as well and throughout his career. So Tommy, let's get into the management and how did it all start for you? Tony, I finished playing... Um, I was probably 38. I actually finished playing for a village team called Alma Swanley, which was an old Kent League team, and they played on a, a terribly exposed bit of land up the top of the A20 there. And, you know, it was the ground was four steps up. And as soon as you walked up those steps, it, the wind blew you over almost. And I played there, Alma Swanley, and I, we had a lot of ex-players that had been at the level I'd been and played for Fisher and played for Dulwich. And we played Kent League football. We were top of the Kent League at November. We finished 14th because we were all getting on. We were too old. We were struggling to train properly. And, yeah, I mean, I finished playing. I got a call from... Um, a guy called Dave Witten, who was the vice chairman of Sheppey. And he said to me, Tommy, I've had you recommended to me about our vacant manager's job. Sheppey United have just been relegated from the Southern League under a manager called Dave Perkins, Polly to many of his friends. And I went to Sheppey and I thought, yeah, why not? Let's have a look. I went down there, spoke to him. had lots of big ideas. I'd been at Millwall, I'd been a pro, and my attitude was always as a pro. I didn't realise what I got myself into, Tony. Eight or nine of the players that had got relegated had left. And so I was left there with the reserve team manager and about seven lads who play Sunday morning football. Anyway, I got my head down, worked hard in pre-season, some of the younger lads that had played at Alma Swanley, I got them to come down and play for me at Sheppey. People like Steve Hearn, Terry Nightingale, these are names probably one or two people will remember. But we, we ended up, we worked really hard. We, we finished third in the Kent League that year. I was proud of that achievement. You know, Hearnbane were the champions. And I did that one year at Sheppey and learned so much about man management, pressure. Pressure, yeah, pressure. Yeah, I sat on the bench with my assistant manager after having been beaten 4-0 by Faversham in the local Kent, that, the Swale Derby. Yeah, that's the one. And the I, I sat on the bench to Keith Lissenden, who was my assistant manager for over 20 years, and I said, Keith, that's enough for me. I'm, I'm walking away. He said, Tom, don't do that. He spoke to me for 25 minutes. He said, if you quit now, you'll regret it. 
because people will think you're a failure. And that was the last thing I wanted people to think. Mm -hmm. I stayed on. We had another fantastic season the following year. Just missed out on the top two. And I got a phone call from the chairman of Herne Bay, which was Bob Todd at the time. I got a phone call and he said, Tommy, we're, our manager is leaving us in the summer. Trevor Gowan had given notice that he was going. He said, would you like to come and talk to us about filling the job, filling the vacancy? And very arrogantly, I said to Bob, I'm not being, I don't want to be interviewed. I want to come just with my record. If you want to interview me, that's not on. And you know, that was arrogance in the extreme. I went over to spoke, speak to Michael and Bob. Michael was Bob's son. Michael was the chairman. Bob was the vice chairman. And the Todd family sponsored Herne Bay, put a lot of money into the club, into players' budgets. Yeah. I went over there and I spoke to them. And we had an hour-long meeting. And I said, can you give me 10 days? Anyway, Michael Todd was an Arsenal supporter. And he went to the Arsenal Sheffield Wednesday FA Cup replay mm -hmm. about two, three weeks later. And on the way home, phoned me, said, have you made your mind up yet? And I hadn't really made my mind up. I said, yeah, I'm going to come and do it. It was like that. You know, yeah, let's do it. I didn't give it a lot of thought. I got there and everybody bar maybe two or three players didn't really want to play for me because of what they because of what they prejudged me as yes. as the manager of Sheppey. Yeah. They were all Trevor Gowns players. They didn't want to play for someone as different as me. And so from Sheppey, I bought five or six players with me over from Sheppey to Herne Bay and we mixed and matched people like John Love, Neil Brown, very good players, Chris Thomas. Uh, I bought with me Terry Martin, Steve Forrest. Hopefully these, these names will mean one or two one, oh, yeah. to, to, yeah. to some people. But and eventually we I got I got my foot under the table talked everybody around the supporters didn't like me I, I released a lad called nigel Poynton, who unfortunately is no longer with us and nigel was fans favorite and the very first game i had for Herm bay was against alma swanley and alma swanley were a decent side i mean i'd gone so they had to be better um and, and the Alm we 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 will drawing one all with 15 minutes to go and we won 2-1 courtesy of two goals from Andy Ballantyne and Mark Monday stellar names at Herne oh, Bay yeah. Football Club and and the crowd sort of warmed to me a bit more and it was a bit hostile at first and I found it difficult now that season was a very difficult season for my for myself uh, her, Herm Bay were the champions the previous season. My first wife was diagnosed with breast cancer. And that first year, she gradually went further and further downhill until she died around three weeks before we won the league. 
We won the league at Whitstable with a 1-0 win. Yeah. We still had seven games left to go. We won the league by 25 points in the end. It was a sad season and a fantastic season in itself. Losing my wife was very difficult. Uh, she died of breast cancer. She had a secondary cancer in her brain. And it was, I mean, the football was secondary. Yeah. I did my best. And yet people, people didn't know my wife was ill. I didn't want to broadcast it. And when she passed, I thought, I've got to, what would she want me to do? She'd want me to carry on. Keep going, yeah. She'd want me to carry on. We won the league that season, 93-94 that was. We finished sixth or seventh the following year, so it wasn't particularly. But we was getting stronger and stronger. The ground was becoming more and more up to standard. They yeah. was doing the grading bits and pieces. Bits and pieces, yeah. Odd turnstile here, refreshed. Yeah. You know, the bar. Uh, and then it's a strange thing. I was very successful at Herne Bay. And it was, a again, the camaraderie of, between the players and the crowd even. Yeah. We had a very vociferous crowd. Very vocal. Very vocal. Yeah. I'll never forget the first pre-season friendly I had with Herne Bay was a, a way to Crowborough Athletic. And I knew then how big the job was when a coach load of Herne Bay supporters drove through the gate singing. We won 3-0 that first day and the, I, the supporters were warming to me and I was warming to them. And luckily, as the year went on, we got better and better. You know, we were always considered as the team to beat. And, you know, and I like that. I said to my players that if you've got to give 10% extra every Saturday because of the expectation, that will make you better players. Now, you're talking about a period of time and you touched on it just now when you said about the ground grading because they'd won the league, I think, twice in about four or five years but couldn't, couldn't go up because the ground didn't qualify. That must have been very frustrating. Tony, I mean, we won three league titles in five seasons. There you go. And on Christmas, on New Year's Day, 1999, I got a fax from the chairman, Michael Todd, saying, Tom, we feel you ought to know that the Todd family is now pulling their sponsorship from Herne Bay Football Club. We will not be renewing your contract in April. Um, as of May the 31st, you will be a free agent. And people always think I walked out on Herne Bay and I never did. I was basically told that they, they didn't want to do the ground grading because they didn't have the money. No, money I got is. sat, Tony, virtually because I was too successful. Mm. At this point in time, this is your second management job. Yeah. And you've never applied for a job. You were... You were offered the position at Sheppey. You were yep. offered the position at Herne Bay. So what happened to Tommy next then? Well, I was told, I was asked by the chairman to carry on managing the team in that first part of 1999. But I was also told, if you want to negotiate with other clubs about your career, fine. Now, my phone was like red hot, Tony. 
Um, and I got a phone call from the chairman of the deal, Roy Smith. He said, Tommy, I understand it's okay to talk to you. I said, Mr. Smith, yeah, it's fine. He said, can you come and see us? And I said the same thing. I said, you're not going to interview me, Roy. I'm going to come with my record. That's it. He said, are you under contract? I said, yes. I took my four, I had a four-year contract with Home Bay. Uh, and it was a quite a lucrative contract. Now, I'm not going to go into figures. But it was a very, very good contract. I ran soccer schools for Home Bay Football Club to try and put money back into the club. But the Todd family just had run out of patience. Roy Smith, I went over to see Roy, he, and I took my four-year contract over there, and I gave it to him in his house, and he read it. He said, I'll be back in a minute. And he walked out, and he came back in with a drink, I think it was a sherry or something. He said, Tom, we want you at deal. Your, your contract is excellent with Herne Bay. We will match that, and we will talk about more figures like relate performance related and i thought well that's fine i've always been performance related everywhere i've been i've been successful and yet and all of the all of the nonsense that went around that time because I, I i mean obviously i've been around the football the same as you same sort of yeah. period and was what a load of so and so that was talked about then you did this you've done that you've done dealing, everything else Tony, it, some of it scarred me. Because like I had people call me a money grabber. I had people call me a Judas. I'll never forget, I was in the bar at Herne Bay after a game when I was like available to talk to other clubs. Yep. And everybody was speculating, where was I going? Oh, Roy Smith's got a lot of money at deal. That's where he'll go because he'll follow money. That wasn't true, Tony. You know, my wife had died. I had more of a better opinion of myself. And I was stood in the bar with Steve Forrest, who was one of my Herne Bay players, who was extremely good. And a supporter berated him in front of me. I suppose you're going to deal for the money as well. That was terrible. Steve Forrest didn't deserve that because no. Steve Forrest was what I call him a warrior. Whitstable Town Football Club's main sponsor is Fibertech UK Limited. And Steve did come to me with me to deal, yeah. but only because uh, Herne Bay had deregistered all their players and said there are, there is no money next year. You'd have to play oh, for nothing. Oh, let, let's get this bit straight because this is important. So they were all free agents. Yeah, they so, were deregistered. So you never, you never stole a player, did you? No, 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 Tony. It was always indicated that I went behind everybody's back and stole Terry Martin and Steve Forrest and Scott Appleton at the time and Peter Kirkland, yeah. all these players that have been successful with me. It was nothing like that. Herne Bay told the players there would be no budget for next year. So players would have to play for nothing. And Tony, some of these lads lived in South London. You know, Bexley East to Herne Bay isn't two minutes in the car. No. Terry Martin lived way the other side of Canterbury. 
and he had a fantastic job and he was not getting home till six o'clock at night yeah. so he needed petrol in his car all these little things you yeah, know yeah. tony um I, I tell all the herm bay people that might be watching this i never would have left herm bay without the todd family pulling their sponsorship and i didn't nick any of their players they were my players i'd yeah. signed them and they played for tommy sampson they would have gone anywhere and played for Tommy Sampson and no budget, not even any petrol expenses. You know, you can't, you know, let's be, we know what goes on in the world yeah, now yeah, in non-league yeah. football. Yeah. We've heard all the stories, the Hive Towns, you know, how much money they pay people. I've never seen a pound note score a goal yet. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I got well paid, but Roy said to me, just raise the profile somehow. So I didn't do badly looking back. No, you didn't. You didn't. And there's a guy at uh, uh, Gill, the manager at the time, Dave Dagg, who is a fantastic servant of, De of Deal Town. He suggested to Roy, if you don't get Tommy Sampson for this job, you're a fool. And he lost his job because of me. And really? he recommended me. Oh, and you know, well, there you go. You know, and uh, Dave, me, Dave and I love each other dearly. We're great friends and always will be. What was that first season like, Tom? It was difficult, Tony, because the deal crowd, which were 150 strong, probably, they'd been used to the local players playing football. Yep. There was the famous story that Deal put a team out with 11 players that lived within the mile of a ground of the ground now that's a myth that's a myth but i i had to bring players to deal and most of them came from herm bay the herm bay people are still convinced that the side that won at wembley was full of herm bay players and it wasn't it was only about four but anyway i i brought these players into deal from herm bay and it was awkward because the manager of deal in previous years to myself and dave dad was a guy called jimmy noakes now yeah. jimmy was a lovely man he's he's in australia now and jimmy liked to see his players play and deal did have some fantastic talents stiggy meadows we're talking about simon bryant paul Curran, wonderful players and the deal crowd couldn't accept my team my players so we drew a lot of games early on and it was not pressure but it was there was expectation we had to play like the previous deal town teams now the previous deal town teams Tony, had conceded 100 and odd goals every year for the last five years sure they won games 5-4 that was never my style i was going to win i was going to win the police very different to the deal town supporters i remember yeah beating Slade Green 1-0 with the last minute Phil Miles goal. And I walked off the pitch and the guy said to me, come up to me, he said, what sort of football do you call that? I said, winning. Sorry, another three points. Oh, yeah. Now, I was a pragmatist, Tony. And if there was a job to be done, I'd do it my way. And, you know, you can't, you can't cut corners by trying to play silly one-twos outside your own defending area i was i was a pragmatist. i was a realist 
if you scored one and they got none, you got three points. I wanted to play, I wanted to entertain. In the end, that all came about. But the Herne Bay side that had played for me were very efficient and not really flowery. I turned that I turned Deal Town into a machine. That Deal Town side that Wembley went to Wembley was a machine. It was played, the game was played very quickly. The game was played with tempo, aggression. Yep. All those things that were sort of carved into me when I was a young man. You know, you've got to be strong and aggressive. You've got to cut out, cut the outside noise away from you. If they don't like you and you're not playing the football they want, let's win them round by winning. And that's what we did, Tony. That's fantastic. My first game with Deal, Tony, I don't know if you remember this, was at Whitstable, first game of the season. We were winning 2-0. 2-1 and Whitstable got a corner Adrian Stone took the corner and they got Whitstable got a free header and we finished 2-2 I'll never forget Peter Merritt was a manager yes good old Peter he said to me Tom you and I are going to find it hard <laughs> <laughs> and I said Peter I know I know mate and that was what it was we were I was a pragmatist we come away with it from there with a point. It wasn't the three we wanted, but I told people the points always add up. Yeah, absolutely. Here and there is fine. You know, you're never going to beat teams 2-0 every week. Sometimes you're going to be one down. Yeah, absolutely. How did that and being first... one down wasn't a problem for my team. You know, when it happened, it was a bit of a shock to the system, but I, I I knew my team would prevail. How did that first season end up for you? Uh, that first season, Tony Gill, we finished runners up. We were we were a good side, and I just needed to add a one or two to it. I um I tweaked the system a little bit. I signed a lad called Jamie Kempster, oh. who was a box to box midfield player. Five foot six, but wonderful competitor, skillful. I went. I also went to the other end of the scale. I signed Steve Lovell from. He was leaving Tunbridge Angels as player coach. I signed Steve Lovell. He was 39 years of age, and he said, "What are what? What's the objective?" I said, "The objective, Steve, is to win. Win as much as we can." We want to go to Wembley. I think we're good enough to go to Wembley. As long as we get the right draws. Now, Steve was a fantastic professional. We are still very good friends. He has supported me through having had stroke non-stop for maybe 10 years now. Wonderful guy. And we're both good friends. The families know each other very well. And he played for me at Wembley. And... It was going to be his last game. It was very, very hot that day. It was ridiculously hot. It was 30 degrees in the stadium. And Steve Lovell was 39 and wanted to come off. And I said, give me another three or four minutes, which turned out to be five minutes. In the end, we got him off. And he had, had the most fantastic standing ovation. 
from the Deal Town people, which Brilliant. we had the majority of the crowd that day, which yeah, was he did. He 20,000 plus. And Steve came off to a wonderful ovation. And Steve is a very humble guy. And he's got no air, like, false. No, there's a graces. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. And everybody said to me, you must be mad trying to sign him. He's going to want your job. I said, no, it's rubbish. If he want, for him to get my job, I've got to fail badly. I said, he's a smashing lad and he's a good player. I had uh, Steve Lovell up front, Tony. I had Roly Graham foraging around the midfield area, pleasing himself whether he wanted to mark anybody or not. And I had Steve Marshall, who was the quickest thing, had the longest stride of anybody I've ever seen playing non-league football. And Steve that day made the goal running from the halfway line beating the defender with sheer pace, clipping it into the box for Roly Graham, who's magically turned up, always turned up in a bit of space, Roly. Unbelievable. You know, I, I feel sure he used to go and read a paper for 10 minutes during games. But then suddenly he was on the end of this fantastic cross and volleyed the ball into the top corner. Well, me and my mate of mine had a chat about that the other night. And I said to him, I can't understand why he never, it wasn't a diving header. And he said, no, no. He said, when it went over his shoulder, yeah. I thought he was going to miss it. But he didn't, didn't he strike it well? Oh, yeah. I was sat on the bench, maybe 80 yards away. In my mind, I was saying, hold it. Because he was only right. nine yards, 10 yards out. Yeah, hold it, chest it down and smash it past him. But no, Rowley was, um, Rowley wouldn't have headed the ball. That would have messed his hair up, Tony. You know, he had lots of products, even in them days. <laughs> Me and you don't worry about hairlines anymore, do we? No, we certainly <laughs> don't, mate. <laughs> no, wonderful, wonderful player. Yeah. He's in Australia as well. He emigrated. He now, he's, his hobby now is karate. Karate. Which yeah. has got a brown belt in. Wow. Wow. Now I've got a few brown belts in the car in, in the cupboard. But <laughs> I couldn't not that couldn't type of brown. Yeah. Half with my hand. <laughs> right. I'm going to I'm going to put something to you now. This isn't this isn't to dismiss the vase at all because we're going to talk about that as a set a separate item. Yeah. But that particular season, how did you end up in the league? Where did you finish in the league? We won the league. Oh, you still won the league. What yeah, about we won, we won the league with about six weeks to go. What about promotion? Well, what happened? Roy Smith had a huge redevelopment scheme for the Charles Sports Ground. I know. And he put it to the council and the council turned it down. Dover District Council, they must be absolutely kicking themselves now. Because Roy was prepared to spend three quarters of a million pounds Back then. Back then, yeah. to build a massive stand at the Charles Sports Grounds with lots of in-house facilities. You know, halls for hire, a yeah. small gymnasium in the bottom of the building. And yeah, build, build, up the, uh, build up the youth section as well. It would have helped the community tone. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you I know, saw it was going to have tea dances for the old age pensioners. Yeah. And he was going to have uh, um, artificial 
five-a-side pitches. Yeah. And he wanted the club to be self-sufficient. He didn't want it. He sold his business, Tony. Yeah. In the early part of 1999, it yeah. was a, a no-brainer for Roy because he was ill and warmer through and through. Through and through. He bought right. that club. And he left the club with a huge amount of money from the bars. It was 50,000 plus, to my knowledge. Yeah, fantastic. And, you know, it paid my wages. I was on 30,000 pounds a year, which seems amazing for a non-league manager. Certainly does. But the idea was to be a successful, to get in the Conference South as it wasn't, as it was going to be. Yes. He would have, he would have, Laid oh. on the best coaches for us. He did fantastic by the players. Yeah, he was he was a good lad for them. Very good, very good. Uh, I tell you what, he was Tony. He was a hard man. He's if I had five hundred pound a week budget, and I wanted to spend five hundred and one, he would want to know where that extra pound was for. Good for him. Uh, he said, "Don't bring me problems. Bring me solutions." And he would. He, my contract ran out the day after we won the Vars at Wembley. And because Dover District Council had turned Roy's plans down, yeah. there was no way I could be afforded no. to, have, to be on that type of money and be in the club. So what happened to uh, Tommy Sampson after that then? Where did you move on to? Tony, I, was, I, found, I ended up manager of Ashford United, great friend of mine, Tony Reynolds. Rambo to his friends, uh, recommended me for the job, and I got that job. And unfortunately, it didn't work out very well. The chairman was a man called John Gurney, mm-hmm. who two months after I got the job was in prison oh, for right. laundering money. And God, he bought Luton and tried to develop Luton's football ground as a housing project. There was a famous television documentary on, on about it. And then the club, someone else came into the club, a man called Tim Thurgood. Yes. And he pulled me aside and he said, Tom, I want you to play my son Saturday. I said, what, in the reserves? He said, no, in the first team. I said, you're having a laugh, aren't you? You're telling me I'm going to play your son. I said, Tim, I'm off. If you find a manager that will kowtow to you, that's fine. But I'm not you're, not, you're not in this club and I'm not playing your son unless I see him in the reserves first. He said, no, Toby's got to play in the first team. You know, yeah. you're thinking, I left. I, now, the supporters were very kind and got a petition up trying to get me to stay. We'd had a very good season. I left and went to Boreham Wood, where I spent three months. Another lunatic chairman. Try to sell people behind my back, phoned me up and said to me, I've just sold Phil, midfield player. Who to? Basingstoke. I said, well, what do I do for a midfield player Saturday? He said, oh, I've got one sorted out for you. He's coming from Stevenage. So that was the type of regime I was working for at Boreham Wood. Now, the man who was the chairman has done marvellous. Boreham Wood, now a a Vanarama National League side. Yeah. And Arsenal ladies play there, and he gets a lot of revenue from that. And so, in the end, I left. I I went back to Dartford, Tony. The Dartford job was available, and I thought, 
what better step can I make than go back to my old club? Yeah, fantastic. They say, Tony, never go back. And they're right. I went back to Dartford. We were ground sharing at Gravesend and North Fleet. Oh. We couldn't afford this. We couldn't afford that. I was paying the subs out of my own money. Oh. We used to have four, four or five kids on the bench just to make the numbers up. They was all getting tenors, ten pounds, you know, because they come training, and the club wouldn't pay them. And I ended up paying them out of my own. In the yeah. end, I started picking four subs because it was costing me less money. <laughs> Very good. I bought I bought a lot of young players through that Dartford system, players that went on to play for Dartford in the years that they got promotion from yes. Division One North. I've had fathers come up to me and say, Tommy, you gave my boy his debut. That's lovely. And I said, yeah, he was great. He did great. Yeah, Brad always talks about you, he says to me. This happened to me at Deal a few weeks back. Uh, a guy called Brad Potter was a super young youth team player at Dartford. I gave him his debut against a team called Grantham, which were top of the league and the kid yeah. was 18. He had a fantastic game. And his, his father has always said, you've got to thank Tommy for what you've got, for what, what you've done. He went on to play a couple of hundred games for Dartford. And I'm proud of that, Tony. You know, yeah, everybody so you sees me with a pound sign in their mind. Yeah. And I'm more than that. You are more than that, mate. I'm more than that. And I want people to know that I've developed players I've always left the football club better than I found it. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And one day, who knows, I might even be Whitstable's manager. Yeah, well, that'd be a great day. That'd <laughs> be a great day. Yeah. Well, ladies and gents. Tony's been great to talk to you. I'll, and everyone, thanks for listening. Well, everyone, thanks for listening. And just a bit of a teaser for you. We've got Tommy Sampson Part 3 coming up. And in Part 3, uh, Tommy's going to be talking about... Uh, the wonderful Vars run that Dill went on. He'll be going through it game by game. And then something that maybe some of you might found a little bit hard to listen to, because you're probably aware that uh, Tommy's had a stroke, but you don't know the half of it, to be honest. So we're going to catch up with you all a bit later on, and Tommy will probably open his heart up to everybody because he's a great servant and supporter of the Stroke Association. And he's written books. We'll be talking about the books he's written. And that's right, Tommy, you're writing another one right now, aren't you? I am, Tony, yeah. I'm writing another one about my very young apprentice life and my non-league career through to Wembley. Fantastic. Well, ladies and gents, that's it for this week. But uh, you be sure to try tune in because there's more coming. And personally, Tommy, it's been a great, well, we've been talking for well over an hour. Um, but this is in two parts, and thanks very much, Tommy. I appreciate it, mate. Tony, no problem. Anytime you want anything, you know where I am. Thank you so much. God bless you. Whitstable Town Football Club's main sponsor is Fibertech UK Limited. They are providers of optical fibre services to the telecoms industry, specialising in optical fibre provision, local and long haul. We offer a full turnkey solution to our clients throughout London and the south of England. Contact us through the website for more details. 
for your host, Tony Rouse, every week on Belmont Banter. For news about local football in Kent and beyond. I do hope that you've enjoyed today's episode of Belmont Banter. Don't forget there's a new episode out every week which comes out on a Sunday night, early Monday morning. And you can leave your suggestions for a guest to invite at the end. And leave a like and don't forget to pass it on to all your mates. Cheers.